With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle. Empire! Welcome to Big Ten Kickoff Week here on Off Topple Empire, your coming out of dormancy source for all things Big Ten. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We are going to need to take a break to reset and chart our path forward. So we're actually going to quit here three days before the season starts. And uh, this decision will not be revisited for at least. Oh, yeah, so what we're referring to there, of course, is news that broke actually just a couple hours ago as we were recording here, where you know, on the thrice eve of the football season, the three finally committing or finally commencing, Penn State basketball coach Pat Chambers takes this opportunity to pack his shit and leave. Uh, after the result of a months-long internal investigation following some allegations of extremely insensitive, racially-tinged comments by a former guard, Rasir Bolton, who's now transferred to Iowa State. Everybody transfers to Iowa State, but this was for a different reason than usual. Uh, Pat Chambers resigns. What my understanding was that uh, what I saw, what the, the, the thing I saw before I saw that he resigned was that, you know, there were reports that, like, there's going to be a more comprehensive report release that details as yet unreported claims uh, about the environment that Pat Chambers created. So... I, I guess it's a thing where he um, realizes that it's not going to be a tenable situation once uh, the entire report comes out. Apparently not. And what so his comments make it seem as though he doesn't tend to coach again because he, he mentions he's making plans for the next 20 years. He's been coaching for about that long. So plainly he intends to coach again, obviously somewhere else. What I guess I'm wondering is if you're at some point in the future, and Certainly, no one's going to hire him without knowing the details of this report. What exactly did you say to who, how often? Uh, but without us knowing any of that, if I'm an administrator interviewing Pat Chambers in the context of taking over my basketball team, which, by the way, after last season, he might have been a candidate that our teams look to hire away to more attractive jobs. Absolutely. We've been... Uh... I was explaining kind of the situation to, to, to my wife, you know, not that she wouldn't know a Penn State basketball coach, right, but she wouldn't necessarily know the guy's name off the top of her head. But I said that it was a guy that we praised effusively for elevating Penn State to a, to a level I don't think Penn State themselves even realized that they were at. I mean, nobody, <laughs> nobody showed up to the games. I mean, they, they uh, yeah. never seemed to support him institutionally, and yet in spite of all this, he, he produced what was really, I mean... They were going to definitely be a tournament team this yeah, past for year. The, for the first time in almost a decade. And as I'm reading this sort of summary article here, for only the fifth time since 1965, they would have been an NCAA tournament team. 
and they would have been set up to compete in the future too. Yeah, we there were certainly some questions there, and we do have our basketball previews on the way, so we'll talk a little bit more about that when the time comes. But although they had plenty of questions, it was it was for the first time in a long time easy to kind of look on the bright side of those uncertainties with Penn State basketball. Now this, I mean, again, so if I'm going back to interviewing Pat Chambers here as a an athletic director contemplating hiring him, the first thing I have to ask is, all right, so the report's first break, let me see here. In July, shoot, that feels like it was 10 years ago, but of course, <laughs> we are in 2020 time, so these reports surface about... So that was, that was what, around like March 127th, 27th this year? On March 127th, 128th? Yeah, it, it, well, it was in the year 1048 COVID, so around three months ago in real time this story with Bolton breaks, it honestly kind of came and went. And we commented on this at the time when we were talking about Penn State in our review slash preview series that it kind of seemed like apparently this isn't a big deal to anyone. Well, not to mention what a great time to air your program's dirty laundry. For sure. And we, I think this might have been when we expressed the opinion, if you got secrets or bad stuff you want to get out, now is the time. Throw it all out in the street. Because this is, this is when nobody... Uh, like you could you could yell the loudest dirtiest cuss word into CNN's hot mic and it's not going to be news for about 10 seconds all five of the senators that were accused of insider trading on covid information are still in office and the one used those profits to fund her re-election campaign and she's probably going to win and she's yeah and she's favored to win right now so uh so yeah not only because you'll be ignored but because even when people do pay attention to to you they're just not going to have the energy to fight you anymore. Yep. So three months ago, this story breaks. Pat Chambers does not resign at that time. Although presumably, like if anyone knows what this investigation is going to dig up, it's him. He's the one who said and did all these things. <laughs> did, yeah. I, I wonder, so that what that makes me think is, did he think that he'd be able to, that maybe they wouldn't find all this stuff and that he'd be able to hang on to this job and that's why he stayed because... Or that maybe he, you know, maybe he could kind of pull some levers internally and be like, hey, look, so now this has come out and here's, you know, here's the situation now. So like, all right, look, I'm sorry that this happened. Um, I'm sorry that this one thing happened this one time. So, you know, I, I, the damage is done and we're just, we're just, you know, we're just scratching at old wounds here by continuing to dig further into this. So, you know, Let's just all move on with our lives and just, I'm, I'm very sorry and this won't happen again. Try to, you know, maybe halt this internal investigation. And what's weird is we've, we've been talking about this for, I mean, about as long as Penn State has been performing well uh, on, the, on the podcast, that it seems that the university has just been fading Pat Chambers, right? Like they, they just, you know, they just always refuse to really kind of get behind him and it always seemed like his success there was kind of on accident or despite the administration rather than because of it and, and we always wondered why that was and I guess maybe they knew there was a bit of a volatility that they were taking on a bit of a risk here it's possible I mean they're the ones who spend more time with him than we do that's not to say that like you know they knew that 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 bad things were happening but that like they, they, they maybe knew it was possible I don't know I'm just, just trying to figure out some explanation. Yeah, that, that could be it. Because I, it's not in the article I'm looking at now, but I, I think somewhere I read that he was going in, that there were only two years left on his contract, which is very unusual for a reasonably successful basketball or football coach. Okay, because what, if you're in his ninth year, was he in? 
I believe eighth or ninth. So. I mean, eighth, yeah, eighth for a guy to be that ten long so he, tenured, he had, been, ex- he had been extended once, but normally you keep a guy extended basically on a rolling basis because if his contract is shortening, then it gets used against him in recruiting, or at least that's what we always hear. So the coaches' agents tell us. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's, yeah, kind of maybe another piece of evidence that even if they didn't know what this report was going to say or the full details of all this stuff, that maybe the administration had some misgivings to begin with. So obviously this late in the season, you're not going to find a permanent replacement. The only option is to elevate internally and assistant Jim Ferry will take over. I com- I confess I have never heard of him. There's, only, there's really only, even spending as much time with Big Ten basketball as I do I won't pretend that I know more than a handful of assistant coaches in the conference. So he gets his audition shot, basically. I believe. And shoot, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at a different article than I was before. But Penn State had a coach resign in the mid '90s. They elevated an assistant and then ended up hiring him on a permanent basis. Now you can infer from how Penn State's basketball history has gone that that wasn't a wild success. But it's not unprecedented for a guy to step up in kind of difficult last-second contingency circumstances yeah, and, and earn the job for him. The fact that you have that neither you nor I have any idea who that interim guy was that took over on a full-time basis uh, leads you to believe that he doesn't that he certainly wasn't bad enough to have any infamy among Penn State fans. Sure, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But again, in, infamy among Penn State fans in the context of a basketball coach takes some doing. So anyway, that I mean, I think that's about all there is to say about it. It'll. It, one would assume that an assistant is going to run a pretty similar system to what Chambers ran. We'll hopefully have some more details about that closer to the basketball season starting, which is, by the way, barely a month from today. Yeah. Yeah. So what? This was a, a miss. Mr. Ferry uh, was, in fact, a head coach at uh, Duquesne. Okay. Am I seeing that right? Yeah, that's ah. the... Okay, so he coached in downtown, downtown Pittsburgh there. Oh, jeez. No, I'm not, I'm not, that's not really an accent I can do all that well, but I, I am going there for, for Thanksgiving, and while I'm there, I do intend to go to the Cathedral of Learning so I can see if they still have that amazing video of the elevator narrated by Dave Wanstead in the most <laughs> Pittsburgh voice that he can possibly muster, because I didn't record it, I haven't seen it on YouTube, and, uh, well, I, I, at the live, after the live recording, I talked to the uh, Shutdown Fullcast people about that, and he said that, like, oh my god, they need to get their hands on it, so I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, if, oh, it's still, if it's still floating around downtown. We'll see. Head down there for about an hour. Um, Okay, so let's let's get into our scheduled programming then, which is that we have Big Ten football to talk about here today in this present timeline and the reality that we're living. We are two days, almost to the minute, away from, is it 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock Eastern kickoff? I don't know, mm, on Friday. I have no idea. Oh, don't pretend like you don't have the countdown ticking in your head. I know you're looking forward to this, even if it's only to be disappointed very quickly I, after kickoff. Well, see, I don't know because most of the Illinois sources that I look at for game stuff would naturally be in central time. Okay, it's, it's 8 o'clock Eastern. So. Okay, 8 o'clock Eastern. That's kind of what I thought, but I wasn't Two sure. Days I know it was either 7 or 8, but... I'm not entirely certain. Well, uh, that does give me an opportunity to to uh, raise up a glass of our Win Fight Tribe Brewster of the Week, which is in this case, um, uh, it's a black box Shiraz. Um, I I don't know what in the hell's in there, and at this point, I don't care. Um, That's a Win Fight Try Wine of the Week. Uh, basically, yeah. That's where we are, guys. It's black box Big Ten 2020. I'm not <laughs> sure what in the hell's in here. At this point, I don't think I care. Yeah, it honestly. I'm gonna drink of, it. 
I'm going to be modestly excited about it, but uh, I'm not going to go into it with any expectations either. I have to admit I'm mildly anticipating a more exciting than usual season in one sense, which is that if the football we've seen played elsewhere in the country is any indication, there are going to be a lot of turnovers and a lot of like defensive mistakes, like missed tackles and also just busted coverage. And again, maybe part of that is just the fact that relative to my normal consumption proportions there's been a lot more like fcs and group of five games that i've watched so it's a lower quality of product but also texas's games against texas tech and oklahoma good grief i mean awful and just awful very fun to watch but awful and let's keep in mind oklahoma basically let sam ellinger rush for four touchdowns in the fourth quarter because they just decided that they uh they, 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 they weren't in good enough shape to keep pressuring him. Well, and they don't have any linebackers who could tackle. They don't have linebackers who could tackle a strong but not exactly fleet of foot running quarterback. Like, yeah. Grant, like, there was much confusion, basically, is what occurred. Yeah. And the other thing that we got to keep in mind here is, you know, contemplate the state of quarterback play in the conference right now before we talk about Illinois, Wisconsin in particular. So you've got Justin Fields, who's great. Tanner Morgan, Sean Clifford, very, very good. Um, and then... <laughs> well, you got Michael Penix. Yeah, Penix, uh, Brandon Peters. Those guys are probably kind of your next tier. Well... Again, and then depends. Can... I, I guess I'm personally weighting Brandon Peters' performance in the later games of the year much more strongly. And I think there's an argument that it's fair for me to do that because sure. that reflects his experience with the offense and how comfortable he was in taking the role as you got to run the option sometimes, Brandon. Or, <laughs> well, you know. right, so let's conceive of it this way, though, which is that despite your reservations, is there not a very good argument to be made that Brandon Peters is the fifth best quarterback in the conference after the other guys we just listed. You could absolutely argue that. Um, again, he, he didn't put up... There was, there was really no game where he put up eye-popping stats um, outside of outside of Michigan State, which were largely the uh, the result of that whole, hey, ball. let's yeah. roll him out to the right and throw back across the field to a matter baby so that they can't triple cover him. That, that's what they were doing in the second half. But he didn't put eye-popping numbers, but he was making plays to... He got good at making the play that kept the drive alive, which has been... which had been a real problem with, uh, with Illinois earlier in the season. Um, so he got better at, you know, basically just keeping the offense on the field. Here's my point. Don't expect a polished product right out of the gate. Um, or, or maybe at all. Because the other thing to keep in mind here is no non-conference games against Cupcakes to tune up and get your rhythm right. And no games in good weather. We're playing our first games in October. the last week of October. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Well, I mean, October in October west of Lake Michigan is what we're talking about. Yeah, the game between Michigan and Minnesota. This, you know, we'll skip. Let's skip ahead to Michigan and Minnesota since we talked about the weather. So Michigan and Minnesota are forecast to play in, under a winter storm warning now. I believe. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> and again, that's the first game of the season. Minnesota has an 
unspecified number of unspecified players missing, such that P.J. Fleck was basically fading his own team before the game. Not his style, by the way. No. To be pessimistic about anything, even if it's totally justified pessimism. And so you've got you've got that. Although Minnesota did have the good fortune in the offseason of Rashad Bateman returning from opt-out. Um, they were going to have some defensive questions as it was, and Michigan has certainly had probably two of the bigger losses to covid not named Micah Parsons in the conference in that, I mean, not, I say losses to COVID. That's a terrible way to put it. Um, Boys. to opt out. Good, yes. Nobody's died that I'm talking about. Okay, so let me make that clear. Jeez. Um, so they do lose Nico Collins and Ambry Thomas to opt out slash NFL draft. Those guys both left and did not return. They were fortunate to get Jalen Mayfield opting to come back. Otherwise, that's probably their three best players from last year who would all have been gone and unavailable to them. And they also have a ton of turnover on defense. So we've got game day is going to this game. So night game, Minnesota, the high I checked earlier this week, I think is like 29 or 30 degrees <laughs> for that day. Um, boy. Thing. We're actually... For, for for those of us that don't know, we're we're pretty insulated in Metro Detroit from a lot of the really bad weather that y'all get because Lake Michigan breaks that stuff up for us. Yeah, it's a sheer. So there's a lot of snow on the westernmost parts of the mitten because you get lake effect. But then after that, the lake just acts as a basically a weather dampener. It doesn't get as cold or as windy, and generally not as snowy as it does most other parts of this latitude so on the other hand and you're in madison there's just nothing but plains for a thousand miles <laughs> to the to the west of you so that's yeah that's where our season is going to be starting and uh i i, I don't want to spend too long backtracking there but it we we never got a a, a take on illinois wisconsin and mine is that no, we're gonna we'll jump around i mean like i said we'll I jump just, around yeah i just brought we'll, we'll, we'll jump around you sure yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, uh, I don't even know, are they admitting people to the stadium? No. Okay. Uh, my understanding is that this is still the same as when the Big Ten announced this season, which is that it will be uh, family and friends only. Okay, see, I must have missed that. My recollection was the conference was basically going to leave admissions to the individual schools, but they're imposing that yeah. on conference slide. I, that's, well, I I've heard nothing to the contrary. Okay. Well, that's that's good, because you know if they didn't, Nebraska and Iowa would have 90,000 people in their stadiums. And yeah, absolutely. So good good on the Big Ten, honestly, for seeing that coming and imposing it. But, you know, the, the kind of, look, so I don't think that either of us pretend to know what's going to come from Michigan versus Minnesota on the field because, look, Minnesota, again, is going to have an unknown number of players we don't know apparently out because of COVID concerns. Um, I mean, Well, I feel like if running your... the ball is going to be very important in this game. I'm not quite sure why. I can't really put my finger on it, but uh, not being able to put your finger on it is kind of what we're talking about here, isn't it? Right. And if that's the case, then you have to favor the home team here because whereas Michigan has one offensive lineman back from a good line last year, Minnesota has all of them. All yeah. Back from a very good offensive line. And it's true that they lose Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks, but Mo Ibrahim has proven perfectly capable. Bryce Williams has shown a little bit as well. So P.J. Fleck will be looking for a third guy because his saying is they need two and a spare. Um, but the, again, look, 
Having Rashad Bateman back allows all their other receivers to slot down into roles that they're probably better suited for at this point. And boy, you know, this has got to be a disconcerting diagnosis for Michigan fans to hear because if we're in good weather, Minnesota's passing game is much better than Michigan's too. Yeah, well, and that's, look, It's it really shouldn't be just anything surprising to say that Minnesota's offense overall is better because, again, they lose a couple very good skill players, but everybody else is back. Michigan has a ton of turnover. One offensive lineman back, their quarterback's gone, their top two receivers are gone now that Collins is out. Their running back group is going to be really good. So if the offensive line gels, which look, under Ed Warner, it's probably fair to say their offensive line is going to gel much quicker than you'd expect a, got a group of 400 guys to do. Pro- hopefully they don't have it together by next week. Um, but they're probably going to be good sooner rather than later. They get Chris Evans back from that year-long academic suspension to go along with Charbonnet and Haskins. Um, Blake Corum is coming in. So they've got a really good group of running backs, at least on paper. I just can't believe they're actually going to start a Jim Harbaugh prep school recruit at quarterback. The the game has not begun yet. That is true. <laughs> but there, there's, look, the only guys mentioned, Joe Milton, the redshirt sophomore, seems to be the guy. He's been tabbed, anointed, compared to Cam Newton by certain elements in the media here. So that's a whole, I mean, look. My we understanding did, we is that uh, Tathan is still out there. Tate Martell? Is he really? Well, I guess he hasn't played like anywhere, so maybe he does still have like yeah, no, he, tra- he left Miami when they brought in Derek King. Is he still? Is he? Is he just like wandering the lands like a troubadour, or has he landed somewhere else? That, well, uh, I'll tell you what. He should. He should really join up with Central Arkansas if that's his approach, because that's basically what they're doing as a team. <laughs> just yeah. wandering the land, challenging people to football duels. Well, I told you before the games began last weekend that uh, UMass played their only game of the season. Because remember, they their attendance was so bad they got kicked out of the MAC several years ago. So they were living that independent FBS football life for some unknown reason. But then, when all the power conferences they got their check games from canceled their non-conferences, they had not a single game to play until they managed to find one just just a partner for one lonely turnaround the dance floor with the Georgia Sun Southern team. Yeah, Georgia Southern. Southern. A, they good, were, a good Sun Belt. Yeah, team they too. were a. 31 point underdog and they lost 41 to nothing. So they haven't, they have now completed their 2020 campaign scoring no points. What, imagine, what is, what is the nature of the team meeting after that game to conclude your season when you've, you've done whatever practices they were allowed to do? You put, you scheduled one opponent in a transparent cash grab. Not that you're playing like an Alabama or USC, you're just playing the only team that would that would let you come to their building. Yeah, I mean, if uh, I can see how you pitch this because there's also FCS teams that are doing this to a le- that were doing this to a lesser extent with like the ACC, yeah. where they had a few games. I can see how you pitch this as a coach is just like, well, here's your chance to like. Uh, it's an awkward thing to pitch as a coach, right? Here's your chance to try out for better programs, <laughs> or. Or NFL, which there's not that many people, but like at a certain point, you're a player in one of these schools. You have to know that you're playing the game to get money for your school's football program. Like you have to know that. There's just no way you can't because how can you not question, why are we playing one game against Georgia Southern? And that's our whole season. Like there's no way that those people didn't all know that. It's look, because of the blanket eligibility exemption or waiver whatever you want to call it it's fair to say that what's the harm you may as well you don't want to lose an entire year without having anything to show for because honestly like like, sure these players are probably aware of the trans i know it makes me sick too these players are probably aware of the transactional nature of how scheduling 
works, especially in this environment. But they are also still football players. As we have discussed before, the mania of football players who get to this level is truly without bound. So the opportunity to go out there and get your faces caved in by 40 points by a Sunbelt team, boy, it takes a certain... It, it, that, is that not greater commitment than anybody from Clemson or Ohio State will ever show this year? Is that not, is that not dedication and, and adversity, real adversity? Um, which, talk about Iowa pretty soon. Um, but boy. Yeah, that's that's something that's that's just unknown to uh, to a lot of the players at the, at the perennially relevant schools who have come there from the prep school route. Yeah, so anyway, that's that's about all we have to say about Michigan and Minnesota. As you can tell, we're kind of reaching here. But let's, let's backtrack in time then, because I did drag us out of order. But we mentioned the weather, and I didn't want to forget that point. So back to Friday night, Illinois at Wisconsin. As far as I know regarding COVID developments, Rayvon Bonner is the only opt-out that I could find reference to. Uh, Maybe my information is not today, but I looked. I tried to find, and the only information I could find is that it does does not seem that Wisconsin has any COVID opt-outs, and it looks like Illinois just had the one. Yeah. Now, of course, we did have somebody leave the team on August 2nd to go play for another school because... You know, we're out here just losing dudes to like conventional reasons this late in the off season, but but still, yeah, that, that was unfortunate because that actually that guy was gonna start. I can tell you that Trey Sean Smith was gonna start because suddenly they're saying, oh, Tony Adams needs to move back to safety. Well, he wouldn't have needed to move back to safety if a starter hadn't suddenly decided that he wasn't gonna be there anymore. So <laughs> that's kind of annoying. But anyway, um, you've got, I mean, if Wisconsin comes out and tries to do the exact same things on offense that they did last year, then you've got to figure that a coaching shakeup is pretty imminent immediately after the game, unless they win 83 to nothing. Sure. And yeah, look, it's fair to say, as as we noted on multiple points last year, that Illinois' defense is keyed to stop the typical Wisconsin offense. A complication here for the Badgers is that projected probable starting quarterback Jack Cohn is not available. He suffered, I think, a foot injury in practice. It didn't sound as though it was going to keep him out for all that long, but the Graham Mertz era is apparently about to begin in Madison, the much ballyhooed prospect, their best quarterback recruit ever. I say recruit because I don't think Russell Wilson's really a recruit in this sense. So we'll see what the offense looks like. Yeah, congratulations. You recruited an NFL quarterback from a noted NFL quarterback factory in NC State. Right. And so we'll see what Wisconsin's offense looks like not only without Cone, but without Jonathan Taylor. And look, we always assume Wisconsin's going to replace him, but we don't know exactly with who yet or in what proportions. They have guys, you know, Nikia Watson, um, Garrett Groshek, and the incoming freshman Jalen Berger, who is a four-star prospect from New Jersey. Not that Wisconsin's ever had success with those before. Well, what what concerns me is if they if they is if they buy into the hype of what Jonathan Taylor leaving means and just decide to pass more that concerns me way more than if they just wisconsin because uh we're going to be good if they were we're going to be in the game as long as they continue to try to run it into the line i i assume not because we're necessarily stout up front but just because we're going to expect that i know that that's coming but if they start to attack the middle of the field deep with play action then it's it's gonna get ugly in a hurry uh i don't know that our offense can the illini offense can keep pace with the that's yeah that's going to be the issue because wisconsin defensively is going to be pretty pretty 
pretty good. They lose a couple of big play linebackers. They always lose a couple of big play linebackers. But their defensive front and their secondary, it, it's probably because like, the way they play, you're not going to know the names of many of those guys because they're not out there getting 10 sacks or a handful of interceptions, but very strong, very experienced. And that means that the guys who do make the plays, which this year is probably going to be Sanborn and uh, Noah Burks, they have the space and opportunity to fly around and make all those sacks, force fumbles, tackles for loss. So there's a lot of unknowns with the Illini offense because the only known quantities are the left side of the offensive line, which is rock solid, and Josh Amaterbebe. Um, Brandon Peters, more of a known quantity than not, but you have a running back room where you have Mike Epstein where his health is just such an unknown because it's been kind of the same injuries he's been dealing with through throughout his career. When healthy, he has, you know, really he's, he's a, a difference-making guy as far as his, his quickness and ability to make things happen in space, make guys miss and all that. And he's a pretty good pass blocker. Um, you have Trevon Sidney, the USC slot receiver who came in as a, as a much-touted prospect only to be lost for the season a couple games in last year. Not really sure what we're going to see there. You have Luke Ford, who the, the former top 100 prospect who sat out last season at tight end. Um, and still have Daniel Barker go along with him. So. Right. So there's, there's upside there, but again, you don't know how that's going to play out. So there's, there's there, I mean, there's, uh, again, Burtis Brown won the, uh, the right guard position over a, um, a multiple-time FCS All-American transfer that we had in Blake, Blake uh, Gerasady. I believe that's how they're going to line it up. But these are things that, in theory, you can say, hey, these, these could be good, but only if all of them hit on the plus side of the uncertainty. Uh, whereas with, with Wisconsin, there's a bit more of a known quantity. You know the entire offensive line is going to be very good in run blocking. And, uh, I mean, you know that the front seven is going to be able to, to stifle you no matter which way you try to go downfield. Yeah, so I get that Wisconsin is favored on paper, probably a better team, and they're definitely, definitely not going to underestimate Illinois again. I mean, talk about if you want a game that you're going to put first and just have give your coach an opportunity to give you a stern talking to, not really a motivational message because it doesn't really seem like Papa Chris's style, but is there any better game you want to get the taste out of your mouth from last year than a rematch with Illinois with um, you know your whole off season to prepare. Yeah, I mean it's almost like you couldn't have scripted it better if ah. you were writing it out. Not so fast, my friend, because in the noon slot of the next day, big noon Saturday, Nebraska at Ohio State. <laughs> you wanted to play. You wanted to play football, Nebraska. Here you go. Oh, Enjoy. Man. The, you know what? This is this is going to be an amazing dynamic to watch with Ryan Day and Scott Frost because they've officially entered Tom Izzo, Bruce Weber territory <laughs> with some of Ryan Day's comments today about how he really got to know Scott Frost better through this and really respects him as a coach, you know, and, and he'll totally have everybody's back. He really respects how easy his team is to beat by, six, by 56 points. I read this differently than you did. I read this as them becoming... Uh, 
corona denying bros over the summer definitely and and, and, and like and making plans to build a clubhouse that they would play secret football in and put a sign on the on the outside of it that said no presidents allowed so that's how i read that exchange um but sure you make, you make a fair point so oh i mean and Again, you know, it's it's a damn shame that we didn't have Tim Beckman in this conference at in 2020 because you know damn well that he would have been right there with him. Oh jeez. Who would have? You know, he would have been the biggest advocate. He would have been one of the loudest guys on this side of the aisle. He would have he would have thrown a Corona party and like gotten his play. He, which, by the way, I still think that. Um, uh, some Texas players <laughs> admitted that they did it themselves. Like Texas players literally did admit that they intentionally got sick with their teammates early. Uh, okay, so looking at this game, uh, there, if you squint at it just right, there is a way that this game could be interesting longer than most people think. Nebraska is loaded for bear with offensive weapons. They're sticking with Adrian Martinez at quarterback. And sure, he's been inconsistent. He's been injured. But when he's at his best, he is still capable of putting up big numbers in a big hurry. They figured out their running game at times last season with him and Dedrick Mills. Um, and Wandale Robinson, and now they add a big-time outside threat with Omar Manning, a huge, a, a literally huge, he's like 6'4", but big-time in terms of big talent, um, wide receiver and Omar Manning. So the offensive line is a little more seasoned. Brendan Jaime's, or Jamie's, I'm not sure how to say his name. Um, the left tackle is very well regarded, possibly an NFL type of pick. Um, there's not really an excuse for this offense not to be consistently great this year. Martinez is in year three. Got to stop turning the ball over, kid. If you're going to be great, this is the time. And if you're not, they have a guy in Dylan McCaffrey who's now had a little bit of time himself and is presumably going to be breathing down your neck. So, Yeah, this is a thing where, like, if you actually look at it on paper, we were being told fairly late in the year that the offense was still doing growing pains. Well, I mean, at this point, it's put-up-or-shut-up time. I mean, there's there really isn't any reason that if this offense has the upside that everybody's been hearing about that that really frankly both of us expected scott frost offense to based on his work at oregon and ucf yeah then you're gonna have to start seeing it this year otherwise if not now when no it, it he's feels... certainly not going to step up the recruiting without winning more games and the recruiting's been fine it's not yeah. even going back to mike riley it's not like there was nothing here to work with there so. was you know there were weird you, pieces you like it's you a know, very different gaps you had to fill. Yeah, it's a different system to be sure. But, but those holes are largely patched. Yeah, and he found the he found the difficult thing right away. He got the quarterback. Yeah. Like he got Adrian Martinez right away. So this this should work. Now that being said, it's understandable that it might not work against Ohio State. But look, defensively for Ohio State, the linebackers are full of veterans, full of former star prospects. It's fair to say though that none of those guys has really taken the star turn of like a Raquan McMillan or a Ryan Shazier, or those kind of, like, they, they haven't had that kind of wrecking ball linebacker, despite having plenty of talent on paper. The defensive line has a lot of turnover, but also a lot of talent. And same thing in the secondary, where you have Sean Wade back. He's a projected first-rounder. But other than him, it's all, it's all massively inexperienced. Extremely talented. And they're going to be good sooner rather than later. So, of course, my team plays them at the end of the year. Uh, but until then... Maybe there's an opportunity here for, to take advantage of some miscues in the secondary, especially because Nebraska's got, I don't know if tricky is the right word, but a, it's, a, it's an offense that if you, if you wrong foot something, they're gone. 
So you can't afford to be overly aggressive. You want to right with all, with all the misdirections, the multiple run options. Um, this is if Scott Frost and his staff are really worth their salt, they're going to find ways to put Ohio State's young defensive backs in conflict and make them think instead of reacting, and they're going to take advantage of that. That's something they've got to do if they want to keep this game close. That's something that a lot of teams are going to have to do to keep it close with Ohio State, though, because in terms of the Buckeye offense, you got to unload a couple thousand rounds at them if you want to match the caliber they're going to be firing at you. Yeah, because if, if, if we're talking about where they're just, they, they, they execute everything the way that they need it to, but Ohio State is simply too good to allow them a, you know, even a crack at the end zone, then we're talking about even if Nebraska's maxed out their offense, then the situation is that we're now the ACC and Ohio State doesn't belong here anymore. Well, I don't know if, I, if I'd say that because the ACC doesn't have a Penn State. That is unless true. you consider Notre Dame to be that. Maybe, uh, maybe you could. Well, only because they keep ducking Clemson. Well, sure. Um, and I guess, you know, maybe if you want to say, well, Miami's supposed to be good this year. Yeah, they're okay. But anyway, I don't, I don't know that we're quite at that level. But if there was one benefit to college the College game day went to, what, 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 how badly did Wake Forest lose when college game day was there in week one? Like, like something horrifying. Maybe or 50. Not as horrifying as what they did to Georgia Tech. Yeah, the Georgia Tech team that had showed some promise, 73-7. to seven. Biggest margin of defeat in an ACC game ever. Like, <laughs> just, again, this is, this is not, like, Georgia Tech was god-awful two years ago, but this was an improved team with some serious talent on offense. Yeah, they're not that bad. So to have, com- a, have a to couple get- five-star skill guys. To get back to Ohio State, though, if there was a benefit to delaying the season, it was that Ohio State's backfield had more time to get healthy because they were dealing with injuries to Trey Sermon and Master Teague in the offseason. Um, I believe Demario McCall transferred, or he might have just been out of eligibility. And so with those, with all those things and J.K. Dobbins gone, they did have a little bit of a question mark at running back. Well, of course, with but Trey... that's not that's not the issue. That's not the problem anymore because those yeah. guys are healthy now. Of course, with Trey Sermon there, you have a guy that not only has experience from you know, years in uh, prolific offense at Oklahoma, but also you got to give the guy some football IQ points for knowing exactly when to short Oklahoma stock. (laughs) I mean, nobody else but him apparently knew that they were going to give up late leads to K-State and Iowa State this year. And And Texas, but then somehow managed to win anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, definitely some insider trading went on there. He knew to bail on the Sooners when he did. Yeah, but so, again, and outside of that one question mark, which is now much a much smaller question mark, um, the Buckeye offense is still loaded for Baird. They've, They've got the two best interior offensive linemen in the conference, possibly in the country. Um, high quality left tackle, a couple of new guys on the offensive line. But again, you're talking about filling these holes with which of these former five stars is going to win this position battle. Um, Justin Fields, a probable Heisman candidate, although who knows how that works now. Um, and then you've got, even with turnover in the receiving core, veterans in Chris Olave. And now, I don't know if you can call Garrett Wilson a veteran. I mean, he's a sophomore who was only kind of used a little bit. I mean, but, that's veteran for Ohio State. Yeah, and intensely talented. So, they're going to be just fine. If there's any hope of catching the Buckeyes this year, you've got to be able to outrun them in a track meet, which, man, it, like, that's a difficult, that's a tall order. But again, there are there are some possible cracks here. We'll see what it looks like, and maybe all this extra time just makes those younger players shorten their learning curve even more than they're probably going to do already. Maybe it's all futile to begin with, but there's a possibility that they could look mortal these first couple weeks, which, by the way, week two 
as far as we're concerned, is Ohio State-Penn State. <laughs> so, this game will be very interesting, perhaps not necessarily because of the outcome in it. I think most people expect Ohio State to win and win substantially, but are there going to be any visible cracks in the armor for really the fate of the conference the next week? I mean, I kind of think what we're going to see here is one of these scores that's horrifying and how mundane it is. Just that you wouldn't blink an eye if you saw 56 to 10. No. You'd just be like, oh, yeah, that makes, makes sense. Makes sense. Probably the score by the end of the third quarter, and then they throttled it back, yeah. And, and then it wouldn't surprise you if Nebraska were to then go on and win five games after that. Like, not to say that they will, but to but say that, that... But that, that data point wouldn't necessarily mean anything about yeah. where we're going from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be Minnesota, and you wouldn't blink an eye. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's get this imbalance out of our hands and talk about a couple teams right on the same level with each other. A nice palate cleanser. Rutgers versus Michigan State. Something nice, and you can just fall asleep to it. Uh, Ooh, boy. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to start with an uncomfortable admission, which there are a lot more similarities between these teams right now than I might like. Neither team has declared who they're going with at quarterback. Um both teams have an established kind of workhorse type running back, Eli Collins and Isaiah Pacheco. So you have something to build around. Somebody you can give the ball to 20 times and be like, do something, please. Um, and they also have some real question marks on offense around them. Both teams have a projected starter on the offensive line sitting out for the season. For MSU, that's Jordan Reed. For Rutgers, it's Mike Lonsdorf. Both teams are in their first years under new coaches with kind of you know, it's it, not totally clear what's going to happen with their schemes, although there are past data points you can extrapolate from. Um, I do like Michigan State's potential at the skill positions more. I think in the wide receiver and tight end groups, they have guys who have shown a lot more potential. Trey Mosley came on down the stretch last season. Jaden Reed had to sit out, but he was a freshman All-American at Western Michigan. Trenton Gillison was terribly underused by the last staff, but he's not the last physically talented player that you could say that about. Even with all the uncertainty, I believe the last line I saw was something like MSU by 13 or 12 or 10, something in that neighborhood, which feels about right. I would like to believe that there is still that much of a talent differential between the two teams, even with Shiano's efforts to bring in an infusion right away. It's not like you know, it's not like he did what, you know, for example, um, what's his face? The guy who screwed the shark. Uh, Matt Bowling. Yes. I knew it was Max something. Um, at Colorado State where he's just grabbing Alabama, like all the SEC transfers yeah. that fell out of eligibility. He's like, Jimmy! And he brought them all in and won, I think won the conference like immediately. Well, I mean, Shiano also knows where, where, where else the bread is buttered, such as going into team into the backyards of teams that don't bother recruiting, such as Springfield, Illinois, and grabbing a quarterback out of there. Uh, so I guess our strategy at Illinois is definitely to do transfers, because it certainly isn't recruiting downstate Illinois, which seems like a weird place to not recruit. Sure. Well, I mean, you hired the guy from St. Louis. Hopefully that still pays off for you. Well... All of his, all the guys he coached are graduating soon, and we only got like four of them. Ah, but what if some of them have younger brothers? That is true. Then you got a foot in the door. One, one, of, one of those guys <laughs> already got kicked out. So sure. Larry Boyd. <laughs> anyway, who's who's starting at quarterback for the Spartans? I don't freaking know. I they'll they'll probably. Who would you like to see that's on the roster? Like you can't. You have to pick somebody that's on the roster to answer that one. I want to see Peyton Thorne. I'll, I'll, I'll let me put it this way. I don't necessarily care who 
wins the job. I just want to see, I want to know that whoever ends up playing at the end of the season is the best guy on the roster. If whoever they pick day one is good enough that I can be like, yeah, I can live with this, then fine, stick with that guy. I don't think that's going to be the case. So this is one situation where I kind of want them to play multiple guys. I mean, look, the Rutgers game, they better win regardless of who plays quarterback. But after that, they play at Michigan, at Iowa, versus Indiana. They're probably losing all three of those games. And then I forget the exact order, but after that, there's Northwestern and Maryland. So there are a couple games later on they could win. Um, I don't, if they go two and six or one and seven, I don't really give a shit. They just got to look a lot better. They got to look like they know where they're going. Well, so, I mean, you know. I want to see Peyton Thorne because he didn't play at all last year. I mean, Theo Day barely played. Noah Kim's a true freshman. If he's the answer, that's a problem. Um, I like to think that somebody who's been there has been throwing to guys for a year. Maybe he can do something. I have no reason to think he's going to be any good. I mean, they pl- they stole him from Western and the post PJ Fleck Western too. Yeah. So well, see, so most of most of the Big Ten fans I know are not quite as invested in the 2020 college football season as they would have been. Now I'm I had very high hopes for 2020 before all of this coronavirus thing started. I, I pinned my hopes and dreams on it, uh, and even I am at this point kind of like. Uh, I mean, I'll watch the games, but yeah, I, mean, I mean, you I mean, have got to be pretty much viewing this as a preseason. Preseason or like an exhibition kind of thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand the games all count. They're, they're still going to go in the, you know, overall series record things. And uh, it'll be three straight losses to Michigan. That's going to be fun. Well, the fact that nobody's going to get fired. No. Nobody no, no, no. could possibly get fired. Does no. kind of take away some consequences Oh yeah, it. Not that anybody would have been fired at MSU, regardless. But nobody is getting fired from a Big Ten school this year. No, and it, there's only been a couple nationwide, and those have been kind of surprising because, first of all, who can even afford to pay a buyout right now? Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. You uh, saw everybody's numbers. I mean, yeah. why? Why the hell do that? Do you, do you think that the presidents want them to be playing football right now? Like, so there's not a nine-figure red line in the. And yeah, the ledger, like exactly. Yeah. So to get back to your question, I, I, I have no idea. I, I've already seen Rocky Lombardi. Maybe a new staff makes him better, but I'd like to see the guys that I haven't seen and see if they're any good. You, you can't tell. I mean, most of MSU's better quarterbacks are not guys you would have thought on paper would have been any good. Like Kirk Cousins was a nothing recruit. Connor Cook was like a low three star. Like. Sometimes these guys turn out to be good. I just want to see, I, I would love a chance to see all of them. But for this Saturday, I hope they, whoever they go with is good enough, long enough that they win the game. That's I, This game, I really, I kind of do want to win. After this, there's no naked lap. Um, you're, I don't want to say you're playing with house money because I would like to win as many games as we can. But who, who really cares as long as we, I can see that they're heading in the right direction. Boy, this is uh, it's interesting because this Ilan Utger set up, sets up. So you have Greg Schiano, who's one and one in Illinutgers, but has never coached against Lovey Smith versus Lovey Smith, who's three and one in Illinutgers. So it really sets up that Illinutgers is a much bigger and more storied thing than it actually is, right? You could definitely display that if you wanted to go in all in on Illinutgers on your on your graphics package for when you present this game. Illinutgers twenty twenty is gonna be lit. Huh. Um lit. That's a word for it. I mean, maybe the game <laughs> tape will be lit on fire afterwards. Who knows? Uh, boy. <laughs> it's going to be a jam. A jam that you have to pick out of? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Your 
source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle. Empire!